0: Good morning, my name is Ian Power. I'm here with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. Coming up in a handful of minutes, we'll talk to a concrete specialist who also happens to be a certified home inspector. The home inspection business is a little slow right now. If you follow real estate at all, you know that many people are putting bids in without subjects and uh, there is a consequence to that. We'll talk a little bit about that, but mostly we're going to talk about concrete, the stuff that's all around your place and that you probably give little thought to unless there's a problem and that could be a cracked sidewalk or a patio, uh, uh, could be a crack in your foundation. There's a number of things that can happen with your concrete. We'll try to understand what it is and what you can do about it and uh, maybe even how much it will cost because there is a cost to everything. And one of the things that we try to do is to find a lower cost of doing things. So there's there's a website. It's called 150points.com. And on that website, they try to come up with 150 points on a variety of topics. One of the topics was uh, how to reduce the cost of kitchen renovations. Because a lot of people, when they're buying a home or they're planning on selling their home, they want to fix up the kitchen, which to me is, first of all, if you're selling your home, don't spend a dime on the kitchen.
1: Would you agree or no? No. You know, I'm I'm always torn with that decision because you could fix it and it's still worthless to the per- purchaser that's going to get it.
0: I say spend so. spend a couple hundred dollars if <laughs> if that and have a good thorough cleaning because yeah, if I yeah. mo- if I move into your house. And I plan to spend any amount of time there. I, I want a, the kitchen to, to do what I want it to do. Yeah, that's not, fair. Not what you wanted it to do. And and why would you spend that kind of money if you're moving out anyway? Spend a couple hundred dollars, save the twenty, thirty, forty, fifty grand, and spend it on your next place. That's fair. Yeah, that's just that's yeah. just my my feeling. I've come, to, I've come to the realization, and maybe it's only me. If you disagree, you're welcome to, to say so. You can phone us, uh, 604-280-9898, star 9898, tweet at us, at CKNW, or hit up the Home Discovery Show page on Facebook. But I'm of the mind that if you are not going to be in your place for any length of time, and I'm talking five years or beyond, save your money for the, for the next place that you move to, if you're talking about ownership. If you're renting... I would suggest getting your landlord's permission right. before going ahead with anything like that, and it's only because now the kitchen and the bathroom don't have the same cachet that they once did now they used to it used to be said that oh, you'll always get your money back when you do your kitchen and contractors guys just like you would would come over to places just like mine and say. Well, if you do your bathroom, you know, you'll get that money back when you go to sell. Right. You probably will, but you know what? You might not. And I don't think you'll ever get 100% back. The last thing that I read, which was a while ago, that you might get up to 85%, which is a pretty good return on, on a mm-hmm. kitchen reno, but uh, over what period of time? That's right. So if exactly. it's over a longer period of time, then of course it's a good investment. So some of their ideas uh, for uh, lower-cost alternatives uh, for when it comes to, to kitchen renovations. Maybe there's a few things here, some ideas that you can employ that might be helpful, and that is to find lower-cost alternatives. For example, uh, if you a uh, light fixture.
1: That's right. You know, Change them, update them.
0: Update them, but yes. it, does, it doesn't have to be crystal. No, no, not at all. Well, I mean, you would probably wouldn't put a crystal in your kitchen, would you? No, it would get all greasy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's kind of yeah, gross. Yeah. But that's just a just a simple example. Uh, the other recommendation here is the do-it-yourself route. Scary, very,
1: yeah, very,
0: it can be. very scary. How how much of a kitchen can most people do? Your average person that's got a full-time job, perhaps a, a dog at home, maybe a couple of kids. Maybe they're in the sandwich generation. They're looking after the kids. They're looking after their parents. Who's got time for that? Yeah, exactly. You know, if you've got time for that, well, then you you probably. You have too much time, mm-hmm. but there are certain things you can do, and I think one of the key things that you can do, and that's the demolition.
1: Oh yeah, that's fun. and that's the fun part. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's
0: yeah. the dirty part too, isn't it? Well, it is. Is demo it... the,
1: is that the dirtiest part of the job? It is the dirtiest part, but it's the most rewarding. It's fun. Yeah,
0: you like you can just hate on anything, right, and just rip stuff up.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, shut Does, the water off first though please <laughs> exactly <laughs> and the
0: electricity and everything yeah, and right. the gas but the thing is is that you can let a lot of that steam out whereas when you're installing things or putting new things in you can't have that anger oh no you've got to you, be well medicated <laughs> medicated. okay didn't think of that um cabinets yes. kitchen cabinets the bone of contention in any home in any city across north america now there's this feeling that you have to replace the cabinets, but oh no, you don't. No, no. at all. You can change the doors Yes, or you could clean them, resurface them, refinish them. Of course, That's depending right. on what those doors are made of, there's a good way to save some money.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you can reconfigure the insides to make pull-outs or magic corners as we call them because the new cabinets now aren't as big in the inside.
0: Again, as an alternative, you could go to what we have now become or what has become part of our lexicon, and that is the IKEA hack. Yes. And that's a, a fairly low-cost way to do things, and if you customize them by doing the the hack, uh, you can save yourself a lot of money. Um, countertops. Yes. There, there's a, a place to for me, I think. Now, I, I know people feel very, very passionate about their countertops, countertops are about as close to holiness as the kitchen can get yeah it is i'm not sure why but you don't have to have granite do you if you don't i mean personally i don't like granite i I think it looks i know people are are hating on me now there you go it's not that i don't like it i'm not a big fan of it first of all granite off gases and it's hard to get to, to clean if it gets stained if you get something deep inside it chips all those different things that happen to it right people with granite you know, people have got their coffee machine on their their granite countertop right now, and they're thinking whether they should pour it on the cup or on the radio right now. Mm-hmm. But there are alternatives that look really, really sweet and really, really nice. Um, you, for example,
1: well, you get the the manufactured ones. Of Corian is a brand name. Uh, Quartz is, is what they is what they are they're, and they're seamless. You can you can weld them together and and finish them. You can still stick with laminate. Laminate is still very popular. The post-form laminate or the uh, the plastic laminate, as it's called there, brand names as people call them, Formica and Western Art, Nevermar, et etc. Um, wood is is um, is coming back a little bit. The butcher block style things. And if you are into any kind of baking and you like the commercial look, stainless steel works as well. I like eating baking. Uh, kitchen appliances don't need top line stuff, do you? Not at all. There, um, there was a big rage for stainless steel. Then people started getting upset about fingerprints and then they made a new generation of stainless steel that is more scrubbable. did You show get those fine lines too that, you, that yeah. show up in the sun. Um, what they suggest for uh,
0: appliances, and I think this is good common sense, look for something that's energy efficient and eco-friendly.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and, and that matches. That's right. You know, I think it's pretty easy. You don't have to necessarily. Same thing for the stove, the sink. Lighting is another, another key area that lighting can be very, very expensive, but it doesn't have to be.
1: It doesn't have to be, but you really have to look at your space and have somebody who knows about lighting design it for you. So you have task lighting, you have area lighting, you have specific spotlighting because there's many shadows that are created in the kitchen, particularly when you're trying to cook, when you have the light behind you or on top of you and where do you want to see the light? So that's, that's a very important place to have that designed properly.
0: There's two other key areas that I wanted to point out from this, this list of 150 and that is um, genius uh, is simplicity is their their key kind of their mantra for going forward. Uh, before they got to that, that they mentioned flooring. We've talked a lot about flooring. There's a whole host of different surfaces that you can use now. Vinyl planking being one of the most popular for kitchens right now. It looks like hardwood. That's right, and it's you can get waterproof. I mean, literally waterproof stuff. Absolutely, or water resistant, which is I think waterproof would be better for a kitchen. But uh, genius is is in the simplicity. Make it simple. That's right, and the the key to saving money on a good renovation for a room like a kitchen or a bathroom or any room for that matter. But those rooms in particular is have somebody come in to help you with the design. It's going to cost you a couple of bucks to do that or more than that. It won't necessarily come easy, but the, the end game savings can be enormous because somebody who has a trained eye can see the best uses for that particular room.
1: Absolutely, and and it, and it's and you said it, you're going to save it. And it's not to say that some designer is going to come in and say, you have to have red, you have to have blue, you have to have this, but they're looking for the square peg, the square hole, make sure things talk, and it becomes functional as well as form. You like working with designers? It makes my job easier. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And when people, do you get a lot of resistance when you make that suggestion? It, absolutely. Every time. And it's because of that stigma that, well, a designer is going to make it look like this. They're they're seeing the TV shows. They think it's going to be this Taj Mahal. And every time I mention that, the same response comes back as I'm not looking for anything fancy.
0: Have you been to the Taj Mahal? I have not. Well, you should try and check it out and maybe... In- See just how fancy it is, because I think it's probably a little fancier than most of us can afford. Sure it is. Yeah, We've got to take a break, and we'll come back. We're going to talk to Trina Scare from Need to Know Home Inspection Services. She's also a, an expert in concrete, so we'll get some ideas on that. If you've got something going on at your place, uh, it, if it has something to do with home inspections and or concrete, uh, feel free to join us. Uh, we're on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Ian Power back with you, along with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, and Trina Scare, a certified home inspector in Metro Vancouver, now serving Kelowna, Peachland, and Vernon, and the owner of Need to Know Home Inspection Services. She also has a well-connected and sourced trade network, having been in the construction and renovation business for about 150 years. That's pretty good for someone who doesn't even look close to 149.
2: Thanks. I appreciate that. How are you doing this
0: morning? Excellent. Nice of you to join us. You're in the Okanagan now, are you?
2: I am. I'm at the edge of the lake watching fish jump.
0: Oh, that's too bad. I'm so sorry to have to pull you away from that. (laughs) Is it uh, nice and warm there as it is here?
2: Uh, I don't know how warm it is there, but it's gorgeous here today.
0: I'll bet. Uh, According to this thermometer in front of me, it's 22 degrees, but I think it's a bit warmer than that. Uh, I want to talk about uh, concrete. I, I call this Concrete 101 because uh, I don't want to get into too much of the, the technical side of it because it's way, way above me and probably most people. But it, what's a simple explanation when we talk about concrete? What What are we talking about?
2: Uh, well, there's, there's concrete, which is a basically, it's a, obviously the most commonly construction material used worldwide. Uh, concrete's made of three basic components. So there's water, aggregate, and Portland cement. And so when you talk about cement and concrete, um, they're the same. It's just that cement is used in concrete.
0: Oh, okay. So uh, I'm still a bit confused. The difference between <laughs> cement and... So cement is used in concrete, but concrete isn't necessarily cement.
2: Exactly. So, cement is, um, you know, the smoothest kind you can get. So it it would be a powdery form that is really smooth. When you want to create concrete, which is more um, of a structural material, you need to incorporate sand, rock, or gravel that creates your structure. The Portland cement is a bonding agent, and then the water is the mix that combines everything together.
0: So, the more aggregate, uh, chances are, the the closer it is to concrete.
2: Yes, and there's different types. So when you know, depending on the type of application you're using the concrete for, that will depict whether you use sand, gravel, or rock and wh- how much and the size of it.
0: Right. Where is it made?
2: Well, cement's typically made in cement plants. Um, usually, when we get it, it's brought to us uh, in a mix, so in a large machine that mixes it up, um, and then they add in whatever components we need for whatever application. Um, you can buy it in stores, so you can buy it, you know, of course, our local hardware store, and that will have bags of cement for a general application.
0: I'm thinking premix, but in general, concrete's pretty, or cement, concrete, which word should I use? How about concrete, cement? <laughs> uh,
2: we'll use, <laughs> concrete, uh, we'll use for, you know, if you're going to be pouring foundation walls. Cement is Um, there's applications for cement, there's applications for concrete.
0: Why is it so expensive? (laughs) Is it? (laughs) I think it is.
2: What are we looking at when we talk about expense?
0: Well, you know, let's say something like if we're pouring a sidewalk or a a carport uh, pad, something like that.
2: The concrete itself. I mean, there's a price for the concrete. You do have to pay for whether you do a small load or a large load of, let, let's say, you're pouring a concrete pad versus um, a foundation for a house. You have to pay for the truck to come, the hose pump truck to come, and all the men. There's a forming and pouring that's involved. So there's different uh, stages before you even get to pouring the concrete that you have to consider for the
0: price. Okay. Well, let's say here's another example. Perhaps Steve mentioned. Uh, uh, that might be a better example, and that is uh, a concrete or cement driveway pad versus that of an asphalt. There's okay. a significant uh, a price difference. And I'm just yes. curious to know why there's such a huge uh, variation.
2: Well, when you talk about asphalt, for example, you're bringing in you know the material and the men and they roll it out and they have a machine that makes it nice and smooth. When you talk about concrete, you do have to form the perimeter around it because concrete is more runny than asphalt would be. So you have to create a barrier and hold that in. You also need a rebar inside that. And so all these different things add to the price of the overall job.
0: You mentioned rebar. Can, is there a, a quick way to, to help understand what rebar is and what role it plays?
2: Yep. Rebar is a really strong steel. Um, it comes in different thicknesses. And those thicknesses are based on the size of pore you want. So a concrete slab for a shed or a hot tub is very different than what you're going to need for uh, a a driveway or for um, a foundation for a house, like the the slab on grade. Mm -hmm. Um, What it does, it prevents cracking of the concrete. It holds it together. It, It acts as another bonding agent. So you will always get some kind of settlement or little tiny shrinkage cracks, what the rebar does is stop it from being an excessive crack that goes all the way down it holds it all together
0: is masonry work in general, uh, is it a, a dying form or is it, is, are there, is it plentiful? It seems to me that it's hard to get a hold of people that work in that industry uh, that are, are, are coming up. Uh, you know, it used to be that this was a skill that was passed on through generations of families, but we're not seeing as much of that anymore. Is, 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 there, is that just something that is in my mind or is that really happening?
2: It, you know, it's really happening. I think the form of being a Mason is not easy work. I mean, if you take a look at the guys that do that work, their hands are thick. They're, they're, they've been doing this for a long time and it's not an easy job. And, you know, we see the progression of people not getting into the trades as much to do something like this. It, it's definitely a skilled thing. Um, it's not easy. It takes years to become a really skilled Mason. And so, cause you're working with so many different types of rock and, and materials. Um, I think people just, really don't want to get that nasty and dirty. It, it's hard, hard work. Um, so heavy lifting,
0: a lot of heavy lifting.
2: Heavy lifting, and you can imagine taking a huge hammer and smashing, you know, the rock that you need to chip. That's a lot of wear and tear in your arms and joints, so it's definitely a hard trade.
0: Yeah, imagine it would be. Uh, rewarding, though, nonetheless, because of uh, the artistry involved, and, and there yeah. is a lot of that, and uh, I suspect it's a fairly well-paying industry as well.
2: It is, especially when you're master. I mean, just you know, a master carpenter compared to someone first year, the difference in your skill level is, is night and day.
0: If we take a typical house and we have a sidewalk that goes around the perimeter of the house and, and there's a crack in that sidewalk, and let's just say it runs from side to side and it's about, oh, the width of a quarter, should, should I A, be worried about it, and, and if so, does it need to be repaired?
2: Well, when you talk about cracks and lifting and sinking of of sidewalks, we'll just use that as the example, Uh, you have to look at the trip factor hazard. So the thickness of a quarter, I wouldn't really worry about it. When it starts to sink more and more, you obviously want to keep your eye on that. If you start to see more sinking or more lifting, depending on what's going on around it, you you do need to get it addressed before it becomes a serious issue, um, and it will continue if something's sinking, because you have to deal with the water going down below, eroding all the dirt beneath it and, and the natural materials and causing further sinking. Um, trip hazards, obviously, for safety.
0: Right. One of the things that we get called a lot about, and in particularly get a lot of email huh, correspondence on this, and that is somebody will, will contact us to say, you know, I've got this crack, either horizontal or vertical, and, and maybe we can talk about what the difference is between a, uh, a vertical or a, or a horizontal crack, but it's in the foundation in the basement, uh, and there appears to be no ingress of any moisture. Should, should I be worried about it?
2: Well, it definitely needs to be looked at, um, you know, by, I'd say, a professional. As an inspector, I will take a look at it and give you my opinion. Um, and usually it's, you know, if you're dealing with something that you can get your fingernail through, uh, it's not so bad. Anything up to about an eighth of an inch, slightly bigger. We obviously monitor, you want to get it fixed, for sure. A vertical crack, you're dealing with either some kind of settlement, um, and depending on the age of the house, it, it really depends. You know, brand new house, five years with, a vertical crack that's quite severe. There's some serious issues that have gone on. Usually, the ground hasn't been compacted as much, and now you're dealing with some settlement below. So they need to be addressed.
0: Can, can you um, hang on? Yeah, you're in a rush. I know you. I know you're watching the fish jump, but
2: it's so exhausting here.
0: I'm pretty sure they're going to wait for you. Uh, We'll be back in a moment with Trina Scare. She's a certified home inspector in Metro Vancouver, also now in Kelowna, Peachland, and Vernon. She's a growing concern with uh, need-to-know home inspection services. We're going to talk about home inspections. Right now we're talking a little bit more about concrete and cement on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Ian Power here, uh, along with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. We're talking to our guest, Trina Scare, with Need to Know Home Inspection Services. Uh, you do a, a lot of work with Four Brothers Masonry. And one of the reasons we asked you to come in, or at least talk to us today by phone, is uh, our interest in concrete and cement. Um, what is uh, what is the, the the process for what they call slab jacking? We've heard about this a lot people often, again, will contact us and they want to know what this process is and what is it uh, set out to accomplish.
2: Well, slab jacking originally, um, the process was, you know, there's a core cut out in uh, the slab that has sunk. And they pump in a concrete slurry or a mortar in order to raise that concrete slab. The process has gone to a new technology now, which is quite interesting, and that's a foam injection. Um, There's advantages to both. And the technology for foam injection, it, it's got the capability now of reaching its 90% strength in 30 minutes, wow. where ponc- concrete does take a little bit longer. But it, it is the form of, instead of ripping out the entire slab that's sunk, you get to just pump it up.
0: Where that's is that? that to describe, if you would, Trina, the, the application. Where would uh, where would somebody call for, for slab jacking?
2: Typically within uh, sidewalks. Um, anything that's poured, so if you've got a backyard patio that's poured in different sections um, rather than one large slab and part of it settles, usually the settlement's caused from either the soil below is poor and can't handle the weight of it, or there's been some kind of erosion underneath. Um, typically, those are the two. That's where you would, instead of ripping out that whole thing and paying for the forming and pouring, you know, we talked about the expense of it. Now you just pay someone to come in, pour a hole, pump it up. And then they fill in that hole, and now you've got a level area again.
0: Sure. Uh, what about foundations?
2: Uh, foundations, it, it depends. Uh, those, you know, you need to really evaluate that. Someone's got to come in and take a look at it. It depends on what's happened with it. I don't know about slab jacking a foundation, but the slab itself, you can probably do that. If a foundation wall is cracked, uh, especially to a, a a point where the structure's been compromised, you now need to take a look at a foundation repair. Well,
0: this is what I'm getting at. I think you've sort of hit on what I wanted to ask next, and does this require uh, the employment of an engineer? For example, if I've got a problem with my foundation, and I suspect that it is sinking in some way or cracking or or significant beyond uh, just a small little hairline crack, uh, do I need to to have the integrity of that uh, checked by an engineer?
2: Absolutely. Uh, not only by a structural engineer for the concrete, but you may also need an environmental engineer, Geotech, to come in and take a look at the soils around and beneath to find out you know, what's going on. Um, especially in Vancouver, we have a lot of underground waterways, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're not known or not detected, um, covered up. Uh, so th- those kind of things, absolutely. Engineers are, are extremely important in situations like that.
0: So as a home inspector, is that something that you would cover off uh, on a typical home inspection?
2: Uh, recommending an engineer.
0: Well, that or or, or do you take into consideration uh, the foundation or any of the, the concrete surfaces?
2: Yep, absolutely. We look at everything that has to do with, is you know, is it normal for the age of the house? Is it significant? Is it safe? And is it structurally deeming to the house? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, recommend further evaluation by an expert in that field.
0: I want to ask you a little bit more about home inspections. Just a couple more things about this this business of concrete and cement. Uh, uh, one of the other things, uh, a complaint that's often heard, and that is a chimney repair. It's next to impossible to find somebody who's actually qualified. There's lots of people who say they can do it and are willing to do it, but aren't necessarily qualified because, again, as we noted earlier, uh, this is this is uh, as much science as it is art, and those two are hard to find when you don't have the kind of experience that, for example, Four Brothers Masonry does.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, just like masonry work, I think chimney work is, I hate to say it, but a dying trade. Um, Like you said, there's qualified and non-qualified. I've met some really great chimney repair companies, and they do amazing work. Um, And it just depends on, you know, repointing is very different from rebuilding. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, when you say repointing, that's a, a term that does get tossed around quite a bit when it comes to chimney repair. What exactly does it mean to repoint a chimney?
2: Repointing a chimney is usually from the uh, top surface up. Um, It can be within the walls as well, but it's when the mortar between the bricks have softened or disintegrated or chipped off. And that's where it becomes structurally unsafe. Um, And you do need to, water when water gets in, it will constantly uh, weaken that mortar. So that's when you need to get someone in to take away all the old mortar. Um, If it's so far gone that it's past half the brick, you need to take down all the brick and rebuild it.
0: Mm-hmm. We've seen examples where chimneys uh, have chimneys have actually separated from the wall of the home. Mm-hmm. And now, now, who do you call for that?
2: Uh, <laughs> definitely a chimney a chimney repair company, chimney rebuilder. When it's separated, chimneys are on their own separate foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when that ground underneath it uh, does become eroded or it wasn't sound in the first place, that's where you can get leaning of a chimney, and that typically does need to be rebuilt.
0: Right. What kind of maintenance does concrete and or cement uh, need? What What do we need to do as homeowners to protect it?
2: Well, monitoring it first. Um, you know, there's sealants. There's all these beautiful things that we can put over top of them, and, and once you put a sealant on, it does need to be, depending on the location, where you are, the UV rays. Uh, you need to redo that sealant every three to four years. Right. Um, concrete in itself is its so strong. It's been around forever. And as long as you keep things off of it, like algae, mold, you clean it, it should stand the length of time.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about power washing it?
2: Uh, <clears throat> power washing, uh, people come in and think they can just do it with us super high PSI. The great thing about concrete is it's beautiful when it's done. The minute you start power washing it, you remove that top surface Mm -hmm. and then you expose the aggregate. Um, You know, I think power washing is fine. It just needs a really low PSI. And most of the time, you can clean it with a mild soap and a scrub brush.
0: Okay. Well, that's pretty easy. So uh, if you're power washing it, uh, the thing with power washing that I've noticed, uh, in, in my neighborhood anyway, it seems that uh, the people that power wash, the first two or three inches where they've started usually look really good. And by the yeah. time they get to the end of their driveway, they, they've more or less given up because it's it's a big one. Um, I actually have an email that came in, so let me put this to you. Uh, It's about uh, staining concrete, and this was uh, written by Charlene. She says that six years ago, my stamped concrete sidewalk was, I thought, stained post-pouring, a slate color. Now it is pretty well worn off, and I can't get my previous concrete fellow to come back. Paint stores uh, seem to have discontinued concrete stain and the two who carry it don't know how much or how much or don't know sorry don't know much about it how to recolor the stamped concrete sidewalk any suggestions uh, would be much appreciated
2: yeah there are companies out there that do stamp concrete four brothers uh you know we used to do it that man has retired again another dying art form Mm. uh it is a staining process that's done within the concrete when it's laid um what i can do is if charlene wants to get in touch with me i can put her in contact with a few companies that do do that work um i don't want to comment too much on it it's just not something we deal with um it is a a process that's done when the cement has been laid
0: okay uh, thank you for that and I'll pass along your your contact info to her uh, we got to take a break but I, I don't want to keep you past that so let, let me just uh, let, let's just close out with a couple of things about home inspections because um, that is uh, your your company need to know home inspection services uh, we know what's going on right now in the market I think things are starting to, sh- to change a little bit but there's still a lot of offers going out on houses with no subjects and that includes that of a of a home inspection let's just briefly look at what are some of the consequences of not having a home inspection when you're buying
2: well we have talked about this so much uh, you know you're gonna run the possibility of running into costs beyond what you thought were going to be there um, you know homeowners especially when you're coming from condos or just you never owned a home you don't know what you're looking for uh, you can get into some significant costs and if there's a safety issue that you don't address you know, we hear about lawsuits all the time, people falling downstairs, or handrails come loose, whatever the situation is. My biggest recommendation to everybody right now who is bought without a home inspection, get one done. Find out what you're dealing with because the worst thing is not knowing about something and having it go on three, four more years and then that resulting in significant cost to repair or replace when it could have been an easy fix at the beginning.
0: That's why you need to know home inspection services.
2: <laughs> That's right. How was
0: that? Was that was that a good was that a good segue? Perfect segue. <laughs> I gotta pick go pick Steve up off the floor. Uh, Trina Scare with Need to Know Home Inspection Services. It's ntkhomeinspections.com. Thanks so much for spending some time with us.
2: Well, thank you for having me on. I'll uh, get back to fishing now.
0: Okay, you do that, uh, and uh, I like them. I like them on a charcoal grill. Oh, done. Yeah done. Nice talking to you, Trina. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. Have a great day. You bet. Trina Scare has been our guest. Uh, we'll come back in just a moment after a break on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back. Nice to have you spending some time with us. Uh, what a beautiful morning. Uh, yeah, we're in the dog days of summer now. Hey, eh? Feels really good. Uh, a couple of things that uh, Trina Scare mentioned that, that really uh, sort of stood out for me, and perhaps it was one of the last things that she said, Steve, and that was even if you've bought a home, without any kind of a home inspection, rather than have this huge surprise come your way, why not spend a few hundred dollars or whatever it costs uh, to have a home inspection by somebody who is certified to find out what you might be up against? And I'll give you a, 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 the perfect example. My, when my parents bought their last place, they had, a, they, they had an inspection done. Now, this is sort of counter, counterintuitive to what I'm talking about, but, but you'll, you'll, you'll get the idea here. Now they made a key mistake by using a a home inspector that the realtor recommended and i, I don 't recommend that personally, regardless of what happened but nonetheless, so what happened was they, they they moved in and the first thing that went that first winter was their boiler their their heating system, which was a huge, unexpected bill. Unfortunately, they were in a position that they they could they could handle it and, and take care of it. But if you're moving into a house today, and or any kind of a, a home, it doesn't have to be a house, it can be a home, any, any kind of a dwelling, and with the prices being what they are, so your chances are you're maxed right out. The last thing you want to do is to face one of these huge, enormous bills. So this might help to mitigate that, or at least to
1: help you to plan. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Trina's uh, advice is, is spot on. Now, you still will have to make that repair, but what's key is, uh, as Trina was saying, is that you can get to it before it becomes a larger problem. And so if that t- hot water tank is now dripping, that's the best sign you can find. It's that your tank is dripping. It's giving you all the sorts of warnings. and it, it's not going to explode on you immediately. So you can get that warning sign, foundation cracks and things like that. They're giving you all these warnings that something's going on. You still may have to do those repairs. You still may have to put the roof on there, but you get that option of uh, the time that you have now that you didn't have before the sale.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you uh, find yourself in your business, or, or do you, or do you
1: get a lot of those types of calls, uh, the the after the fact calls? Well, I do, and it's because and the funny thing is, a lot of people say, "Well, you know, I've noticed this been going on for a while." And I and I and some people will say, "Well, I don't want to, I want to get on it now before it gets worse." And I'm trying to explain that some things the it's at the point now the repair isn't going to be any different. We're still going to have to do the same thing.
0: Yeah. So what do you what do you recommend then? Do you think that a home inspection after the purchase is still a good idea? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and what do you hope to learn? I mean, the, the, I guess and I didn't say this to Trina because I like Trina and I think she's very very skilled and, and very very knowledgeable at what she does. I mean, her we've only scratched the background of what she's what she's accomplished in the last 20 years. But it, it, sometimes I have I have issues with home inspectors only in that they don't seem to be um there's there's no real responsibility at the end of the day they come in they make observations but there's no guarantee that's attached to it so in other words, if they missed the boiler or if they missed the the crack in the concrete or
1: something like that you can't go back to them can you there's no recourse well they they do carry a, um, an insurance policy called eno errors and emissions if there is something um really bad I'll say but their their job is a third party experienced um observer they're looking at things uh, be- based on their experience how things should look or rather what they're seeing isn't typical or maybe a concern. They're not allowed to do invasive destruction. so that's what they want to do but and, and it's just it's nice to have someone uh, not necessarily to say it's the fault you're buying a used thing. Um, you know that's just that's just what it is. And well, so, even a
0: new thing, or even a new thing, comes, it was, comes faulty. Absolutely. Look, yes. at, look at the car industry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great example.
1: <laughs> right. So, uh, so have a third party. Just say you know, because they're they're not emotionally invested to the home.
0: Well, there's a key thing right there, and I think that's why a home inspector, there's, there's always a reason there, because, uh, and you hit on it. And that's the one point that I always make is that when it comes to homes and, and where you live, there's a huge amount of emotion attached to it. One of the things that we're working on right now for the Home Discovery Show that you might find interesting is we are working on sending a home inspector out to a home with a dog, because the dogs are now being employed in the home inspection industry and it's quite fascinating. And we're going to take you there via the radio for an on site visit to, to sort of go through the motions and get an idea of what really goes on. We're, we're putting all the pieces of that together and we'll keep you posted when that show airs. In the meantime, uh, we're called for a break, so we'll do that and come back in just a moment. On the Home Discovery Show. Be sure to check out the Home Discovery Show page on Facebook and stay with us on News Talk 980 CKNW. Ian Power, along with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. We've been talking about home inspections. We've been talking about concrete and cement. And one of the things that hasn't come up yet, and I, th- I think it's a very common situation, and that is concrete, uh, sorry, uh, stucco, because stucco mm-hmm. is a finish. That is really popular on the West Coast, and I don't know to what extent it is in other markets. But quite often, you'll come across uh, as you examine your house, you do your walk around, your your biannual walk around, you might notice some cracking in the stucco. Is that uh, something that's
1: easily repaired? Yeah, it depends on how bad it is. I mean, as Trina was saying, is is with like a sidewalk? Is how big is the crack? What's it doing? So in a, in a stucco application, where's the crack? Is it above a window? That's something probably a little bit more concerning than something in the field between a couple of windows. And how big is it? What, what's, this, what's it doing? Is it running horizontal? Is it a long crack? Those all indicate something more than just simply um, age and some minor cracks. There is always cracks in stucco because it's a solid and, and the house is moving. But where are they and what, what are they showing signs of? What is stucco? Stucco is is uh, very much like uh, concrete. I mean it's the same thing as uh, as Trina was saying. It's an aggregate which is often a sand rather than a rock. And then it has the Portland cement and the water in there, and it's just applied into, it's a thicker mixture, so it's not runny, and it's applied over top of a mesh rebar, a mesh wire or screen, and then uh, successive layers from that make it smooth or different styles of stucco that are put on. Typically, how many layers? Mostly, they used to do what they call three layers. It was scratch coat, gray coat, and then the top coat. Now, depending on the kind of stucco that it is, uh, referencing a slop dash or, or a rock dash, and that is, that is aggregate that's thrown at the wall while that one layer is still wet, those can be done in a two-layer application. So now we're seeing stucco on new buildings that are sometimes a little bit more than five-eighths an inch thick, whereas the old homes could be over uh, over seven-eighths, almost an inch thick of stucco.
0: I imagine it meets the building code, so it's okay to go thinner.
1: It is, yes, because it has the envelope. So the envelope itself is sealed. It has the has the, uh, the building wrap on it. has all the proper steps that are in there. And the, the exterior surface, like a roof, is simply to protect the waterproofing right. of the house. Sure. Now, do the same people that apply... Concrete cement uh, apply stucco no no, it is it is a different trade it, one is more uh, stucco is on its own I mean a, a masonry company may do that as well, but someone who places in finished concrete typically just does concrete driveways sidewalks, foundations trick to painting stucco. Is is preparation first, of course, clean it, uh make sure it's dry, and then go fill over any minor surface cracks or any repairs that have to be done. And then most most will either paint with an acrylic base paint or a plasticized paint, like a
0: uh, um polyurethane a
1: polyurethane sort of a paint, but one one that's the uh uh, it seals out the moisture. It resists. More. It,
0: it, you can breathe, but you
1: can't get in.
0: Exactly. Something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Is it, uh, yeah. is it something that you can do yourself, or do you, do you best to bring somebody in?
1: Um, you can do it yourself, but really is advised to to use a sprayer to get the paint on, and then roll it to force it into the into the stucco itself. Well, I'm curious about that. Does it uh, absorb? I'm thinking when I think about
0: uh, stucco, I don't know why, but I think of those stipple ceilings. Yes, and it just seems to absorb and
1: absorb and absorb. Do you need some kind of a primer? Um, no, the paints that are used for that application will will bond in you know, amongst themselves, but you really got to be careful in the kind of stucco that it is because you can see the gold color behind it. You can imagine you have to spray up, down, left, right. It is quite a process and you will go through a lot of paint.
0: Thanks for sharing your morning. For Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, my name is Ian Power. Our thanks to Greg Shot, our technical producer. And stay with us. Vancouver Consumer is next This is the Home Discovery Show on News Talk 980 CKNW.